Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So we've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and I think that today's episode and episodes like this episode have been a long time coming. And just to give you guys some backstory, I have received, oh my goodness, hundreds, maybe thousands of emails about dietary supplements. Everything from what type of protein powder do you recommend to what do you take as a multivitamin? What do you think of supplementing with amino acids? What do you think of this particular brand? And it's tough for me for two reasons. The first one is sort of an overarching thing. One of my personal affirmations is to be relentlessly positive. And I think there are so many people bashing so many things that I just don't want to be a part of that gang. That's just not my style. And so I'm very likely to say, you know what, my stronger recommendation would be X, Y, and Z for these reasons instead of overtly putting down a particular product or brand. Because I really do believe that 99.9% of people that bring a product to market have wonderful intentions. So I never want to hurt anybody else's business with my personal opinion. The other factor is I come from the dietary supplement world. I have a significant amount of respect for my former employer, and I learned a lot in my time there uh, working with dietary supplements and supplement manufacturers. But boy, did I see a lot. Uh, not just, you know, in our own business, but studying our competitors and seeking out manufacturers and looking to see which manufacturers had good practices and which ones totally didn't. And you see a lot of things. And I think that what it really taught me is I believe in whole foods first and foremost. But at the same time, I do feel that there is a place for certain supplements for some people at some times. And one of the ones I get the most questions about is protein shakes. I get questions every spectrum, right? Whether it's shakes specifically, amino acids, if we need to supplement with protein at all, pre-workout, post-workout, everything in between. So what I want to do in today's episode is talk about a quick primer on why protein is so important and why we want to get enough, but also what happens if we get too much. Those of you that follow me over on Instagram probably are familiar with the picture that I put up, I don't know, maybe maybe about a year and a half ago now, where I was literally drinking a protein shake out of a very large flower vase. I'm not even kidding, because I thought that was a good idea, which is horrifying, but true. So we're going to talk about, you know, why protein is so important, how much is too much, but also why we want to make sure we're getting enough. Do we need to supplement with protein? Is there a place for that? And then an overview of some of the common types of protein, whey protein, soy protein, hemp protein, all that sort of thing. 
And then factors you really want to consider when choosing a protein supplement if you are going to go that route. And then I'm going to throw out some specific recommendations, which isn't something that I normally do. But there is a role for protein shakes for some people for some times in some circumstances. I want to make sure that everybody understands. It seems like fat gets so much attention and carbs get so much attention. And there are these very polarized audiences of you must eat a high fat diet or fat is the devil. Stay away from it. And same thing with carbs like high carb is the way to go. It's what your body needs for fuel versus They're completely nutritionally not essential. Stay away from them. But with protein, there isn't really this kind of strong divide of opinions. I think everybody, no matter what camp you're in, understands that protein is very important. From a fat loss standpoint, I want to say it is extremely filling. Protein will fill you up faster than carbohydrates and faster than fat. So protein has a very high satiety factor. It's going to make you feel full pretty fast, which I don't know about you. I like that. I seek that out because making any type of food choice gets a lot more difficult when you're ravenously hungry. The other great benefit of protein is that it really helps you to control your blood sugar. And you guys have heard me say this a thousand times on the show, and you'll probably hear me say it a thousand times more. Controlling your blood sugar is not about being a diabetic or not being a diabetic. I mean, sure, that certainly is a factor. But if you want fat loss, you must control your blood sugar. I'm going to say that again because this is not like, oh, well, fat loss gets easier if you do this. No, if you want to burn fat, not lose weight. Anybody can tear through muscle tissue, shed water weight without controlling their blood sugar. If you want to burn fat, you must control your blood sugar. And protein helps you do that because it is slowly digested. So it slows the digestive process of everything that we are eating, and it it slows the release of anything into the bloodstream. So protein is going to be very important for helping control blood sugar. It's also critical for maintaining your lean mass. The last thing we want to do is burn precious muscle tissue. One thing, again, and I'm I'm being uh, repetitive here as we cover the basics, many people think that if they create a calorie deficit, they're setting their body up for fat loss. And that is just not true. When you create a calorie deficit, your body has multiple options. Option number one is fat burning. That's what we all want. But option number two is burning through your muscle tissue. Option number three is just slowing down your metabolic rate and creating stress hormone chaos in your body. And option four is all of the above. But when we consume enough protein, we help to preserve our muscle tissue so that in a state of calorie deficit, our body doesn't burn through that lean mass. We really, really, really want to protect that lean mass because that is one of the ways that not only we stay tight and strong, but also that we keep our metabolic rate really high. Protein is obviously critical for workout recovery because of its role in preserving muscle tissue, and it also has a significant role in keeping us healthy from an immunity standpoint. So we absolutely cannot skimp on the protein. If we just focus on protein shakes, though, we do so at the expense of whole foods. And when we look at whole food protein sources, we have to recognize that they come with 
healthy fatty acids and antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. And we really do rob ourselves of that when we go to protein shakes. And if you point to specific shakes, and I'm not going to name names here when I'm kind of knocking on them a little bit that say, oh, but these ones, this is like your whole day's worth of vitamins and minerals. Yes, and it's also the synthetic form. And your body doesn't exactly know what to do with that synthetic form. So we know that the synthetic forms of vitamins and minerals packed into many of these protein shakes and making them pretty expensive, our body can't even utilize them the way that the label would tell us that they should. It's it's kind of foreign to the body. Your body cannot respond in the same way to these synthetic products as it can to the real active form found in foods that your body was built to digest and absorb. So we need protein, but not everybody wants to eat fish or meat or poultry every day. I I like it. It's not a problem for me, but there are many people that want other options or want uh, convenience or don't want to be cooking a lot. And so I feel that there is a place for protein shakes every once in a while in a pinch, but not on a regular basis. And there was periods of times when I would have a shake every single day. And I know a lot of people in the industry that did that and then realized, in fact, um, you guys are familiar with my friend Carrie Manti. I've had her on the show several months back. She noticed the same thing. She was relying heavily on shakes and they weren't really satisfying her hunger. And when she switched to more whole foods and fewer shakes, she was far more satisfied and her body composition improved. And I know that was true for myself as well. So let's consider who might benefit from supplementing with processed protein powders. Again, I I really am an advocate of whole food sources because they are more bioavailable and because they're naturally packaged with other things that we really need. But maybe maybe you're a vegetarian or maybe you have an aversion to, just a taste profile aversion to fish or poultry or beef, or maybe you totally are going to lose your mind if you see another egg. I know I have periods of time like that. Now, fortunately, I like fish and I like beef and I like chicken. Um, but whatever you are struggling with, if you do not regularly consume whole food sources of protein, it might be a good thing for you to consider. Are you working out? Now, If the answer is yes, that doesn't mean, oh, you need protein shakes. I'll tell you, I work out almost every day and I haven't had a protein shake in months and months and months. So it's not just a simple, oh, you're working out, you better have protein. No, that's bunk, right? It depends on how intensely you're working out and how your recovery is. For me personally, I am more satisfied, and again, this is just me personally, I am more satisfied by whole foods than I am by shakes. They don't satisfy my hunger as much, and psychologically, I don't feel as much of a satisfaction that I've eaten something. It just doesn't give me that, okay, I'm satisfied now kind of feeling. And I recover very well with whole food sources of protein. Now, if you feel like you are not able to get to food or get to protein, maybe you go straight from your workout to work and you don't have access to food for whatever reason. I'm going to talk about some ways to get around that. But for you then, maybe shakes would help. If you notice a huge difference in your recovery when you have a shake than when you don't, then that might be right for you. 
Or maybe you're somebody that in the middle of the afternoon, you're dying of hunger. You're so, so hungry. And for whatever reason, you can't eat more at lunch. My first recommendation would be modify your other meals to satisfy you for longer. But if you, for some reason, you can't do that, they like don't allow food wherever you work or whatever your situation is, or you're you're on the road, then it might be a good convenience thing. Maybe if you don't have access uh, during the day to a means of preparing food, cooking food, heating food up, or if you just really want to simplify and give yourself a break from the kitchen, they can be a good, convenient alternative. Whole foods are preferable. And here's the other thing. Whole foods are more affordable than most shakes. Now, if you find a really inexpensive shake, uh, it's probably pretty low quality. And I can tell you from working in the supplement industry It is very expensive to put together a high-quality protein product, and we'll talk about what makes some shakes high-quality and what makes other shakes low-quality, but I just want to say whole foods are preferable and more affordable, and they come naturally packed with other nutrients, vitamins, antioxidants, fatty acids, than these packaged shakes. And here's the reality. Just like protein bars are often glorified candy bars with some protein in there, many, 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 many shakes that you can buy off a shelf somewhere are basically glorified milkshakes, far more expensive with protein added in. They are often very high in sugar, in artificial ingredients, in uh, stabilizers, and all sorts of junk that we don't need to pay for. I mean, have a piece of chicken, have an egg, have some beef jerky. But if your if your goal is to simplify, if your goal is convenience, and if you are not able to get enough of the whole food protein you need for your body, then that might be a good option. I do want to put one word of caution out there. If your goal is fat loss, don't just add in a recovery shake after your workout without adjusting your intake for the rest of the day. If you just tack on a protein shake to what you're normally eating, you very well might be putting yourself into an energy surplus or an energy excess kind of situation. And what happens when you overconsume anything? It has to be stored, right? It has to be stored. One word before we dive into the types of protein about what happens when you consume excess protein. Now, excess anything, carbs, fat, protein, it is going to be stored. But there's something that we really misunderstand about consuming excess protein. We think, oh, well, I'm still hungry. I'll just go have more fish. I'll just go have more beef. I'll have a protein shake or whatever. And we think that because it's quote unquote healthy, that it's not going to make us fat. And that's not necessarily true. When you when you consume protein, the first thing your body wants to do is use it for whatever the necessary healing, repair, and recovery process is that your body has needs for. That's the first thing it's going to try to do, right? It's going to meet your needs for repair. Whatever it doesn't need, whatever you consume beyond your body's needs has to be stored, And it is not stored as protein. It is not stored as protein. It is going to be converted and stored either, it can be a a transition to glucose, and then that glucose can be stored in your muscle tissue, or it can be converted to fat and stored in your adipose tissue. So a lot of people, and I talk about this uh, in a lot more detail, if you haven't listened to the ketosis episode a few months ago, that 
helps explain this in detail, but this is why a lot of people still struggle with their blood sugar when they transition to whole foods because they're eating too much protein. And consuming an excess of protein can have a significant impact on your blood sugar because protein can be used to generate new glucose, new glucose. So just a word of warning there for you. All right, let's get really down to the nitty gritty of this and let's talk about types of protein. And it's always sort of a debate. Should it be whey? Should it be soy? Should it be casein? There are so many types of proteins and I wouldn't have any time to go into all of them, but I want to talk about some of the most common ones and sort of what they are and what their pros and cons are. And then I want to talk about some of the specific things we need to keep in mind when we are shopping for a protein powder or protein supplement, all right? So soy, obviously soy is a plant-based protein from soybeans, right? Now, it is a good option if you want to stay away from anything from an animal. So whey, casein, uh, gelatin. Obviously, if you are a vegetarian or a vegan, soy would be the option. However, I do want to say this. Soy is not as easily digested or absorbed as the animal-based proteins. And I went into this when I did an episode on beans and legumes. And the reason for this is because naturally, really with protease inhibitors. Proteases are the enzymes that break down protein. So contained within soy is, yes, protein, but also things that block the breakdown of the protein. So I would really encourage you, instead of going for a soy-based protein supplement, to go for a whole foods uh, protein that is not from an animal if you're trying to avoid that because you're going to pay a pretty penny for these soy protein powders, but you're not, when you look at the supplement facts, the nutrition facts on the product, do not assume, do not assume that that is what your body is going to receive. Yes, it is what you're going to consume, but soy is not as easily digested or absorbed, so much of it is lost. And it usually doesn't taste that amazing, and it's tougher to blend. So if you are going to use a soy product, definitely do not plan to shake or stir. Definitely plan to have a blender or an immersion blender or something like that because it's uh, it can be a little chunky, which is never pleasant. If you've ever had a chunky protein shake, it's <laughs> so, so not good. I'm, I'm cringing here as I think about it. All right, let's talk about whey. And we're going to we're going to go into a lot more detail on whey uh after I hit some of the highlights here. But whey comes from animals. So cows or sheep typically, and it's coming from their milk. Now, I don't know if you guys remember like little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet eating her curds and whey. I can't even believe I remember that. Along came a spider and sat down beside her. Anyway, um so so whey comes primarily from processing cheese. It is a byproduct of cheese creation and this can be from cows or it can be from goats. Um but it is a byproduct. It is absorbed very quickly relative to other types of protein, which is why we see so many whey products on the market. Now, whey does come from dairy, as does casein. And I want to be really clear that any type of dairy product 
can have a negative impact on your blood sugar. So that's really important to understand that uh, dairy products are insulinogenic. So they do create this blood sugar response even though they are proteins. So I think it's important to understand that. And I'm going to talk more specifically about the types of whey and isolate versus concentrate, but I want to hit the highlights on a few different types first before we get into that. Okay, casein. Casein is the primary protein in milk. And whereas whey is absorbed very quickly, casein is absorbed very slowly. The challenge with casein is that it is a primary allergen, and many people will be very allergic to casein or at least have a mild reaction to casein proteins. If you have any degree of sensitivity to dairy products, whether you're lactose intolerant or just sensitive, you probably want to stay away from casein proteins. And there are so many other forms of protein that you can find out there on the market. Um, Obviously, gelatin is one of them. Gelatin is going to, lots of people aren't going to like this, but let's get real clear on where gelatin comes from. It is coming from the hooves, the skin, um, tendons, ligaments, bones of animals. And it's a great source of protein, but for people that like get the heebie-jeebies about the origin of things, it's not a beautiful picture. Uh, They're not lovingly caring for these animals as they create your gelatin protein. And there's also egg white proteins, which is one of my personal favorites. If I'm going to add protein to anything, if I'm making it, which I rarely, rarely do, I love egg white protein because eggs in general, are a complete protein, meaning that they contain all nine of the essential amino acids. And I've talked about this before, but there are uh, non-essential amino acids, meaning that your body can make them on its own. There are conditional amino acids, meaning that your body can if it has the right raw materials. And then there's essential amino acids, which means your body can't make them and you have to consume them. And eggs are a complete uh, protein because they contain all of the essential amino acids. So egg white proteins are fantastic. And another little word about uh things from eggs, natural eggshell membrane, which if you crack an egg, you know how there's that like thin membrane on the inside of the shell. Sometimes if you don't crack it hard enough, it's sort of like the shell peels off, but there's that membrane. Uh, That is really incredible for joint health. So I'm a big fan of eggs in general because they are a complete protein, but also because of that natural eggshell membrane, which is fantastic for joint health. But uh, gelatin is another option. But I want to go back to casein and whey because those are the two primary things we see in the most popular protein products that most people are familiar with. They are either whey proteins or they're blends that include whey and casein. And I want to be really, really clear about proteins that come from dairy products, from milk products. And I did an entire episode on dairy that I will be sure to link to in the show notes. But I want to remind everybody of what milk is, because these are derived from milk. And milk's main purpose, the goal of milk, is to feed infants and provide, hear me out, follow me for a second, because there's a lot of kind of common sense logic in this. The goal of milk 
is to accelerate the growth of an infant, right? When hormone production is naturally very low in infants, milk naturally contains hormones to accelerate their growth. So when we consume cow's milk or products derived from cow's milk, what are we getting? We're getting bovine hormones. And the same is true if we're talking about goats or sheep or whatever else. There are hormones naturally present in milk, and they are not human hormones. They are hormones of whatever animal produced that milk to accelerate the growth of the baby. So we're talking about estrogens, um, DHT, or uh, basically a precursor to testosterone, insulin, insulin-like growth factor. All of these hormones are present in milk. So we also see... um, a lot of antibiotics that the animals are treated with and they do pass through the milk and when we test dairy products, we find them there. So it's really important to consider that when you're choosing a protein. I don't know about you, but I do not get super excited about the idea of introducing bovine growth hormone or bovine uh, precursors to testosterone into my body. I would much rather be in control of choosing a hormone-free grass-fed beef and eating that instead of this product. All right, let's talk about factors to consider when shopping for a protein powder. I think this process can be completely maddening because you go in and there's all these shelves and and. The guys working in these stores, and they are mostly gentlemen. I'm not being sexist. They're mostly men. I frequent these stores just to kind of see what new products are coming out because I'm curious, and I used to work in that industry. It's just something I enjoy doing. But, I mean, they don't know anything about supplements other than, you know, the minimal amount of training that they get. Most of these people do not have degrees in nutrition. They have never studied supplements any more than just walking into the store and reading what's on the shelf. Um, They might have a little science lab of one themselves and how they play around with post-workout. But you look at these shelves of dozens and dozens of protein powders and it's like whey, soy, hemp, concentrate, isolate, grass-fed, hormone-free, cold-processed. And like I said at the start, many protein powders are total junk, total junk. And I say that for a handful of reasons. Number one, they are highly, highly processed. And protein is very sensitive. And when you highly process something that is sensitive, what you do often is you denature the protein. Basically, when you denature the protein, it's not going to have a functional role in your body. You are swallowing very expensive powder that is not giving you what you want because the protein was not cared for properly. Protein powders are very expensive to produce, and so manufacturers cut costs at every corner. And so we see very low-quality proteins with lots of fillers, right? Lots of um, preservatives, artificial flavors, additives, colors, sugars, all sorts of stuff. And I want to first talk about a couple of common sense things to consider, and then some slightly more technical things that I'd like you to consider next time you're shopping for these. First of all, Do you tolerate the product well? 
I want you to really pay attention to your body when you consume a protein shake. And if you are somebody that drinks shakes regularly, cut it out for a couple weeks and pay attention to what happens to your body. Are you bloating when you consume it? Does it mess with your bowel movements? Does it cause indigestion? Does it satisfy your hunger? Does it leave a weird aftertaste in your mouth? Does it make you crave more sweet things? These are all things that you should know the answer to. If you are consuming a protein shake on a regular basis and you cannot answer these basic questions, you need to pay more attention. Now, the second thing is how bioavailable is the protein you are consuming? And what I mean when I say that is, is the protein that you are paying for able to be digested and absorbed completely by your body. Now, I don't mean 100%. Even food that we eat isn't going to be absorbed um, 100%, but some proteins are far less bioavailable. And if you're going to spend the money on the product, I would really hope that you want to buy one that you're going to get the most bang for your buck, that your body's really going to be able to use more of it. Plant proteins, whether it's soy, pea, rice, are going to be far less bioavailable than animal proteins like whey and egg or even gelatin, beef-derived kinds of proteins, right? So you really do want to consider whether or not it is bioavailable. The second thing, is it high quality? Now, protein powder is a processed food, but I really don't want you to just buy some random thing that you saw on Instagram or the label looks nice on the shelf. I would really hope that you would choose one from a manufacturer you can trust. And this can be hard. This can be hard and it can be incredibly frustrating. So understand that I am saying this from an admittedly slightly um more in the know perspective because I worked in the industry. So just hear me out. I know you're probably thinking, how the heck do I know if it's a manufacturer I can trust? Let me tell you this. I, you'd be horrified to know how many supplements do not meet label claim. Very, I mean, it's almost more common for a supplement to not meet label claim as in when it's tested by an independent organization what they say is in there isn't really in there. It's almost more common for that to be the case than to test it and be like, oh, look at that. It's all in there. Very few products from my experience, and this is is not just my experience in studying manufacturers and looking at their testing, uh, but but studying consumer reports, because consumer reports does this. They pull products off the shelf and they test them to see if they have what they say they have, and more often than not, they don't. Now, here's the way companies get around that. Many companies will pay Consumer Reports a lot of money to basically not publish negative reviews on them. Now, not all companies are willing to put out the cash because it's not cheap, but many do. So Consumer Reports can help show you. And in fact, on the show notes page at primalpotential.com, I am going to link to a Consumer Reports on protein shakes. And it's not just that they didn't meet label claim. It's what was in there that wasn't on the label like arsenic, lead, mercury. Now, might those things be in food? Yeah, theoretically, maybe. But at least when we're buying whole foods, we pretty much know what we're getting and we can choose to buy a higher quality product. With shakes, there's anything in a, in a box or a bag or a bottle or a canister. It's really, really hard to know and trust what you're getting. And I can tell you, a lot of times you're really not getting 
what you want. Oftentimes, then this is not just in shakes, it's in supplements too. There is far less of whatever vitamin and mineral that they're claiming. Less protein, more fat, more sugar. This happens with food products too. And I want to I want to be really clear that I'm not picking on companies that make dietary supplements cuz here's the way it normally works. There's the sup there's the company that sells it. So let's say I'm going to put out a supplement and I'm going to call it um, you know, Primal Pills, right? Well, I don't make Primal Pills in my house. I contract out to a company that makes supplements or protein powders or you name it for lots of different companies. And so I'm a good person. I'm not trying to do anything wrong. I place my trust in this outside organization and maybe they're not following the rules. I can't tell you how many times I saw the manufacturer switching out ingredients without telling the client or um, putting in less of an ingredient or not using the form of a vitamin or mineral that you specify because they didn't have it or another one was cheaper and not disclosing it to the person who's selling the product. So I'm not bashing companies that sell products. I'm saying there's just a lot of touch points from the supplier of the raw materials to the manufacturer to the entity itself that's selling the products. So I feel far more confident in Whole Foods. And I just want to be really honest about about my experience with that. And don't believe me, check out the consumer report that I'm going to link to over on the show notes page. Now, let's talk about what I mentioned a few minutes ago about the protein potentially being denatured. So protein is very sensitive, very sensitive, okay? And this is why you'll often see when you're talking about like grilling meats or preparing meat in any way, a lot of people urging you to not cook on very, very, very high temperatures because it can damage the integrity of the protein. Well, we see the same thing in processing protein powders. They process them at very high heats to kill any bacteria, but what happens is that that denatures the protein. It basically changes the structure of the protein in a way that keeps your body from being able to use it or at least use it completely. So sometimes you will see a product that says it is cold processed. And this is one of those factors related to quality. When you see something that's cold processed, the the manufacturer is trying to let you know that the protein is a slightly higher quality than something that is not cold processed. Now, another thing related to quality is the source of the protein. Whey, like we said, and casein come from milk. Uh, That could be cow's milk, but usually cow's milk, sometimes goat's milk. But we need to really consider what that means, right? Many of these animals are treated with hormones and antibiotics to A, increase their milk production with the hormones, and B, remove any bacteria uh, with the antibiotics, but that passes through the milk. So we can see protein powders that are hormone-free, the, the supplement industry is really weird about the way they let you label hormone-free. So what you will likely see is RBGH-free or RBST-free. That is referring to recombinant bovine growth hormone. So if you are going to buy a protein powder that is from a dairy source, whether it's a cow or a sheep uh, goat, you want to make sure. I don't know the difference between a goat and a sheep, so just throwing that out there. I don't know everything. Um, but you definitely... Definitely would want to look for something that is hormone free. 
Also, with products coming from an animal, you would love to see something that comes from grass-fed animals versus grain or corn-fed. A grass-fed animal is going to produce milk higher in omega-3s and lower in uh, pro-inflammatory omega-6s. So omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, omega-6s are pro-inflammatory. So if you can, choose something that is grass-fed instead of grain or corn-fed. Now, let's talk about isolate versus concentrate. And this is typically language we see related to the milk-based proteins. So the protein content is going to be much higher in isolate than in concentrate because you're really isolating the amino acids. So it is more pure, essentially. I think that if you're going to spend the money, spending it on isolate is a better bet than spending it on concentrate because it's just cleaner. It's just cleaner. Okay, there's nothing wrong with concentrate. It just is lower in protein content. And typically, it's going to be a blend of different proteins. So you might have more of the more allergenic protein components. So really pay attention to how it makes you feel. Now, some people really feel like, well, after I work out, if I have a really intense workout, I need a shake because I need my protein in liquid form. That's not necessarily true. What you really want, now, this isn't after any workout. If you go for a walk or you take a spin class, I'm sorry, you do not need a liquid protein source after that. But if you've really taxed your body and you really need to accelerate recovery, then it's not that you need a liquid form of protein. It's that you want a protein delivered with something that is going to generate an insulin response because the insulin is going to help the amino acids in the protein get into your muscle tissue faster. So, excuse me, an example of that would be, say, having an egg and a piece of fruit, like maybe a a banana, um, because that is going to elevate your blood sugar and your insulin a little bit to help usher the protein into your muscle tissue. And a lot of people will say, well, I don't have time to cook a meal after a workout. You don't have to cook a meal. I love canned salmon. And you could do canned tuna. You could do um, beef jerky. Just be careful of the stuff with the sugar added in it. You could do uh, all sorts of different things. You can cook a ton of stuff ahead of time. You can have a baggie of rotisserie chicken that you pulled off yourself. So don't make it seem like you need this big complex meal because that's just not true. So let me wrap up with five things that I really want you to keep in mind about protein shakes. Number one, most of them are very, very, very highly processed and the protein may be damaged in the processing so you don't get the benefit that you've paid for. And after I go through these five, I'm going to give you some recommendations. Number two, consuming protein in excess of your body's needs is going to accelerate fat storage and potentially weight gain and can increase your blood sugar. So protein is in no way, shape, or form free. Number three, low quality whey and casein protein shakes can contain animal growth hormones and antibiotics and create significant hormonal chaos in your body. Number four, plant proteins are generally not as well absorbed, not as bioavailable as animal-based products. 
And number five, do not assume that you can trust the label. In fact, assume that you cannot. Check out Consumer Reports. I'm going to link to one over on the show notes at primalpotential.com. Just know that many, many, many supplements fail to meet label claim. But if you're going to go with a protein product, a protein powder, what are some decent ones? Paleo Pro is a good one. I'm going to link to this over on the show notes at primalpotential.com. But it is a blend of eggs and beef, and it's sweetened with stevia. Uh, and then there's 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 one that's actually just something you would use in like small amounts. Like you could put a tablespoon of this in your bulletproof coffee or something. But it's a beef gelatin. It, the brand is Great Lake, and it is from grass fed beef, and I will sometimes take a tablespoon of this and put it into my Bulletproof coffee if I want to get in a little bit of protein. Now, again, if you get squeamish about the origin of things, gelatin doesn't come from pretty places. And then there's an egg white protein powder that I want to point you towards. Obviously, it comes from egg whites, um, but there's no benefit to this as opposed to just having some eggs, and obviously, eggs are a whole lot cheaper. Before I tell you what I ate yesterday, I want to remind you what I am crazy excited about, and that is the Winter Fat Loss Fast Track opening up soon. Say that fat five times fast. Winter Fat Loss Fast Track. Winter Fat Loss Fast Track. Winter Fat Loss Fast Track. Anyway, it is opening up soon. I have a free webinar all about stopping self-sabotage and specifically how we're going to do that together in the Winter Fat Loss Fast Track. All you got to do to get into that webinar, if you're in the U.S., text the words Fast Track to 44222, or if you go to primalpotential.com, you will see, if it's before December 1st, you will see a little ticker across the top of every page, and you can just sign up right there on that ticker. I really hope you join me for that. I am like bananas excited about it. I just finished up the 90-day journal for it. I'm just over the moon. So please, please, please join me on December 1st for the kickoff of that. We'll be talking about how to get out of your own way and bridge the gap between what you know you ought to do and what you actually do. So text Fast Track to 44222. That's one word, Fast Track. Or just head over to primalpotential.com. You'll see the little ticker banner at the top of the page. All right. What I ate yesterday. I had coffee with MCT oil in the morning, so I didn't have any butter in it. I'm trying to stay away from dairy for a little while. And then I had a salad that I posted on Instagram with chicken and walnuts and some cranberries. That was really, really good. And then, oh, so dinner was my version of shepherd's pie. I don't know what you guys call shepherd's pie, but growing up in my house, shepherd's pie was like a layered casserole of ground meat and then corn and mashed potatoes. So I make it with ground meat and then corn and mashed cauliflower, and you bake it for a little bit. It's so good. So that's what I ate yesterday. I hope you guys find this episode helpful. There'll be all sorts of links and resources over at primalpotential.com, so don't miss that. And I will see you guys soon. Have a good one. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.